Congressman Kramer, quite the mega Make America Great Again rally last night. I want to get to that in a moment. But first, do us a favor, if you don't mind, take us behind the scenes. I mean, there's very few people that obviously get to ride on Air Force One. You flew here, you flew back with him. Do you sit down and do you chat the entire flight? Like, what's going on on Air Force One? <laughs> That's funny you say that because the president, of course, has his own um, his own chambers, so to speak, or his own cabin up front. It's very nice. Um, and that's he does a lot of work on the flight. Uh, you know, I and the other guests sit around a conference table that's a couple of, uh, you know, I, it seems like a couple miles back, a couple blocks <laughs> back, <laughs> but probably about in the middle of the, you know, of the aircraft. It's a nice conference table. They serve dinner, very nice dinner, um, or whatever meal time it is. Um, and then other members of the, whether it's, uh, you know, senior staff or whatever, uh, you sit around and yeah, you chat. And then he walks in. He's, I've, I've been on Air Force One with Donald Trump twice now, and he comes on as soon as he gets on the aircraft. He comes in and welcomes you. You know, monkeys around a little bit, talks. We posed for a picture. Asked him to post for a picture, which we did, so that we could tweet something. And he said, "No, I'll I'll tweet it." <laughs> so he tweets it, and I, we retweet it, that kind of thing. Um, and then during the flight, he comes back in and just stands around and talks. I mean, we talked a lot about trade, as you might imagine, tariffs. Um, talked a lot about the Supreme Court, you know, because of course the, the breaking news of the day was the Kennedy, um, you know, resignation or re retirement, and so yeah, it's it's a bit so, surreal, but you know, it's interesting. We have enough of a relationship that it's that part's pretty easy. Uh, we'll get to the tariffs in a moment too, but I, I'm curious. I got to assume he's going, wow, boy, my legacy could be something now to have a second Supreme Court justice put on the court. Was he on cloud nine right. because of that? Did he give you any insight on, hey, guys, here's who I'm thinking about putting up for the nominee? Well, he didn't use any names, shall, shall we say. Um, he asked, Senator Hoban and I were both on the plane. He asked us if we had a preference, if we had any preferences. Um, I can tell you, and I, I know I'm not going to divulge any specifics, but I, you know, I, I told him one that I would have some concern about that I think is on the list. and. Um, he talked about the list, of course, as he always does, and it, it, he was clearly pleased, Chris, by the announcement mm. and by the situation. He's had a good week. I mean, the five to four decisions we talked about that. You know, the the, the uh, of course the the decision on the travel ban was very important. Five to four. The decision on the union dues, very important. Five to four victory for um, you know for the good guys, if you will. And but it just highlighted then when with the Kennedy announcement the, the, yesterday highlighted the importance of the Supreme Court to his legacy and the, highlighted the importance of the United States Senate to the Supreme Court and how one vote matters. So it, it fit nicely into the theme of the evening. Well, that's my question for you. Gosh, there's so much I want to talk to you about, so let's go here with it, is sure. that how much does this retirement now amp up your race against Senator Heidi Heitkamp? Because I'll frame it this way. Uh, yesterday, thank you to you for giving me the chance to interview President Trump, but I said to him, hey, look, you tweeted out a while back when you endorsed Kevin Kramer that she's always a no when you need her, but she did vote for Neil Gorsuch. Do you see her, because of the, this race, voting yes for the nominee that's put up? I would suspect that if, if there's a vote for the nominee before the November election, you couldn't put up anybody that she wouldn't vote yes on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's just the reality of there's her and several other red state Democrats. But at this point, um, that gig's sort of up. I would also remind you, Chris, that she voted for Neil Gorsuch after she voted against voting for Neil Gorsuch. And by that, I mean she voted against the procedure to allow Neil Gorsuch to come for a vote. So she wanted to keep from having to vote for him, and people shouldn't be fooled by that. 
And you know politics well in the game. Do you think this, this vote gets done to confirm a nominee before the election? I do believe that. I think that this is one thing that Mitch McConnell has proven to be very good at and he's been very committed to, and that is moving these judicial appointments along quickly, particularly Supreme Court. So I expect it will happen. He'll have a nominee, I would guess, within two weeks, and the Senate will get right to work wow. on it. And I'd be surprised if it's not done before the election day. The Bjorkin, Borkin, Bjorkin, whatever it was, the old, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to watch what's going to happen with this nominee. I do want to talk about the rally before that. There'll be just to, I know you can give us some inside information on this. I actually asked, again, President Trump about the tariffs and the possible trade war. He told me, hey, Chris, be patient. I know how to work these deals. What are you and Senator Hoven talking about, knowing that, hey, we are a soybean state? What are you doing to chew on his ear? And what's his response to what you guys have to say to him about? Yeah, and this has been an ongoing discussion. And, you know, both Senator Hoven and I have had, a, have had other opportunities to visit with him and certainly members of the cabinet um, about it. We continue to raise the issue, the concern, the, tr help them understand that that patience is fine, but it's not, you know, infinite either. Because commodities, even cyclical commodities, particularly uh, agricultural commodities, which you know are perishable as well as cyclical, you know, a down week or two can can break a farmer if that's the week or two he has to sell his product. Um, that said, you know, as you noticed, I'm sure at the rally last night when he talked about the issue. People are with him, and they want a better deal. They want a better deal with, with Canada. They want a better deal with the European Union. They want a better deal with China, and we deserve a better deal. So, But we just keep imposing, impressing upon him that it's, it's not an infinite timeline. And he keeps impressing upon us, just like he said in the rally, that, that the longer we can negotiate, the better the deal will be. But he's also sensitive, as you, again, you probably noticed last night, he's also sensitive that it, it can't go on forever. So... <laughs> Um, I think you're going to see some. You're going to see some victories, um, you know, along the way so, that will continue to to make this the right thing. Please be specific about that because you also said in South Carolina, I think it was this week, about hey guys, there's there's things happening behind the scenes. It's going to be good. What's he saying about that? What are the wins that we're going to see soon? Well, I, I don't want to undercut his negotiating leverage, and I, I do know some things, and I think you know several of us do. Um, but one of the things that's frustrated me about this is that we have politicians who are, you know, taking their farmers to the Mexican embassy to undercut his leverage. They're, they're introducing legislation to, to pull the rug out from under him, for example, on the 232 uh, national defense uh, leverage while he's in the middle of the negotiations. As a country, if we would be backing him in these negotiations, these negotiations get done a lot sooner. But I get calls from members of parliament in Canada trying to pit, you know, try to get inside information, try to sort of pit me against him that that's not helpful and too many of our politicians fall for that so i don't think you have to be in lockstep and and uh, he's not a dictator he's not the emperor like they have in china but at the same time while we're communicating these concerns we also want to reassure him that we're supportive of his goals and we want to see him succeed and speaking of that just so our audience knows congressman kramer's being two gentlemen here in my opinion or being a gentleman i should say because the person that uh, did take people over to the mexican embassy was senator heidi heitkamp to try to undercut his negotiating powers last question before we go on to the rally sir uh, any chance that a cabinet member i think wilbur ross is incredible when it comes to trade like a wilbur yeah. ross pete navarro something like that coming to north dakota and talk about this it's, it's highly likely. Uh, you know, I, as you know, brought a group of farmers into the White House a, a couple of weeks ago to meet with Secretary Ross. 
Um, I invited him to come to North Dakota, in fact, specifically Fargo, to meet with the same group of farmers and more, and perhaps some ma manufacturers as well. And he accepted that invitation, you know, enthusiastically. I talked to Jared Kushner last night about it. Uh, he was very positive about coming and, and helping sort of you know, have a roundtable listen as well as share a little more of this of the strategy with people. I think the more and more people hear about the strategy, the details of it, the timelines, I think the more comfortable they'll feel. All right, the uh, Shields Arena was absolutely rocking last night. I want to know from you, being behind the scenes and seeing it all play out, what was your greatest takeaway from last night's rally? Well, my greatest takeaway is, is that, that um, North Dakota is Trump country. There's no question about that. And that, that he is, you know, it occurred to me um, while I stand there sitting, behind, you know, sort of behind watching him, he, we've not had a president of the United States this accessible probably since Abraham Lincoln. Somebody who actually doesn't give his speeches from the Gold Room or the, even the Oval Office. He gives his speeches right there in the communities, talking to as many people as he can you know, fit into a building. My other takeaway, though, besides his incredible accessibility and his charisma, was that we should have had it in the Fargo Dome. And that was sort of his <laughs> takeaway as well. Um, you know, as we drove in, Chris, you know, we literally drove by thousands and thousands of people, starting at the airport, going all the way to Shields Arena in various streets. And everywhere we went along the route, and by the way, back, while there were still thousands of people outside, he kept saying, gosh, I hate when people don't get in. Oh man, I hate to see these people not get in. And he says, make sure you wave at him, make sure you wave at him. He's waving the whole time. He wants to make sure that people at least get you know, some encouragement out of it. And even at that, I know that there were a lot of disappointed people. Well, so if we did it again, I think I'd be insisting on a bigger arena. I haven't had a chance to visit with you uh, since last night, but I will plan to see with you after my interview with President Trump. He kind of grabbed my arm. He's like, hey, you think we should have done the bigger arena? I was like, absolutely. And then Senator, <laughs> well, then Senator Hoven came over. Wait to hear this. And I said, yeah, we should be doing it at the Fargo Dome. And Senator Hoven came over and I said, Senator, how about this? You know Carson Wentz, right? How about we have Carson Wentz open for President Trump at the Dome? And Senator was like, yeah, that sounds good. So, I mean, that would obviously be more than packed. Just want to plant that seed, sir. Uh, I thought what was really yeah, yeah. neat, too, was to see Abel jump in the beast with you guys and have uh, yeah. your son ride over there. Yeah. So. Anything else you want to share about the overall experience? Well, I would just say that about that. Th thanks for raising that because that was a, that was a president's thing. I mean, we were we had a, another vehicle, a family car that would be in the motorcade. I expected to get in that after we got off. Uh, you know, Air Force One. Chris and Abel greeted us along with the, the governor and first lady. And the president said, "Oh no, no! You get in the you get in the beast with with me, Abel. You can sit on your dad's lap, and, you know." And we get in there and shut the door. And Senator Hoven is in there, and he says, "No, feel the glass, feel the glass, pound on the glass. See <laughs> see how thick that is." And I mean, he's just he's absolutely ultimate in hospitable. He's he just is. the greatest host, and so it's pretty special for our family to be part of that. So the ultimate question is, when's he coming back? Yeah. Well, I told him I'd take him next week if he could. Actually, we were sitting around the conference room as we were going to Milwaukee. I said, okay, here's what I think we should do next. And they all looked at me like, oh, sure. He gets us set up, and then he wants to tell us what's going to be next. You know, I don't know when, Chris. As you've noticed, we don't get a lot of advance notice on these things, partly because we don't know things happen. 
Um, also, there's security issues, so we don't give a lot of advance get a lot of advance notice. But I can I can say fairly confidently we'll see him again at least one more time before the election. I want to ask you this, sir, because uh, obviously a big rally. Like you mentioned it's Trump country, but but at the end of the sure. day, you are looking to win a U.S. Senate race. Yeah. I will share with you a quick story and then get your comment on it. I had a person, an independent, you know, that had told me in the past. I don't know if I'm going to vote for Congressman Kramer. Uh, this person came back today and said, I'm absolutely voting for Congressman Kramer now after last night. Uh, how much do you think last night moves the needle for you? Well, it, it certainly will get a bounce out of it. But the thing about North Dakota is we're so intimately connected to our constituents as members of Congress. There are, you know, 300,000 voters or probably fewer in a, you know, in a non-presidential year. So it's going to come down to Senator Heitkamp and me, but for people like the person you're talking about, independents, undecideds, it makes it can definitely make a difference, particularly when you're a Trump supporter and there are obviously lots of them. The other thing it does, Chris, it, what happened yesterday with, with Justice Kennedy, for example, and then that being followed up with this nationally televised rally, it nationalizes the race. And so while the voters are 280,000 North Dakotans, the interested parties have just exploded around the country and we are absolutely enjoying the fruits of that today.